up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So if you have a new idea, project, or business that you're working on, and you're feeling a little bit stuck, I'd love to help you or connect you with somebody that can. And today, I have somebody that really can help you with the podcasting side of your business, half a world away in Vietnam, Dana Drejos. And one of the things that's going on right now, obviously, is the coronavirus pandemic, and it's affecting everywhere in the globe right now. So everywhere from where Dana is sitting in Vietnam in her little ass closet <laughs> to Austin, Texas, where I'm also in my closet. And one of the things that I wanted to portray is how even though during a pandemic, all this craziness going on and what's looking like maybe a depression here in the United States and other places in the world there's still some positive outlook and things that you can gain from this. And one of those things is we have time and a lot of people that have the time and the energy to put into learning new things. And one of those things that I highly, highly, highly recommend for any small business owner or freelancer or influencer, as they say, is a podcast because it gives you one, the ability to reach out to other people and learn more about what's out there in your space, but then two, helps you get better at your craft. And this is where Dana and her team has helped me immensely uh, get better at my craft. And I'd love to just kick it off here and start off with how the hell did you even get into podcasting and your love of podcasting? And why are we sitting in closets right now? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'll answer the closets part first, I guess, um, because we are obviously a whole world apart and it's so important to be in a really quiet space while you are podcasting. And if you don't currently have the tools at home to set that up, being inside a closet is actually the best DIY studio because all of the clothes absorb the sound so that you don't get this really annoying echo sound. Because if you're in just like a big room with nothing to kind of absorb that sound, it's going to bounce around the walls. It's going to bounce off glass windows and things like that. And echo is something that's really, really hard to clean up in the editing process also because I have really obnoxious neighbors who like to blast music and drink at this hour. So I was trying to avoid that. What what hour is it there? Um, it's 8.30 at night. Okay, yeah. So it's 8.30 here in the morning for those listening and 8.30 at night there on a Friday, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, so ready to, everyone's corona partying. <laughs> yeah, and I just like shake my head. I'm like, they literally are telling everyone stay inside. Like, what are you doing? Anyway. So I got into podcasting. It's funny, like when I lived back in the States, I remember trying to get into podcasts, but I never found one that I really liked. And some of the first ones I tried, the voice of the host was just so irritating and I couldn't listen to it. And I just thought I am sworn off of podcasts. I don't get it. It's not my thing. But then I started getting more into personal development, starting a business things like that and started realizing how many great podcasts there are out there for that. I mean, I came to Vietnam originally to teach. I had absolutely no idea what I was looking to do for a career. And I was just going to try out teaching and see where that leads me. Found out very quickly that I, I don't hate teaching. I think I hate teaching English because I can't learn anything new when I'm teaching English. So that was really boring for me. 
And so I was just searching for, okay, well, I know I want to continue to travel and be able to work from my laptop. So what are my options? So I started looking online, different options, found out about virtual assistant. And there's so many different virtual assistant jobs you can do, whether it's copywriting or digital design and things like that. I was trying to find my niche and was thinking about, well, what are the things that I'm interested in? What do I already like? And I already like listening to podcasts and started wondering, well, what goes on behind the scenes of a podcast? What kind of work does it take to start a podcast? Found out it is a lot of work, as you know. And I just started diving in and learning everything I could about it, all the skills needed behind the scenes from A to Z, creating a podcast. And here I am. (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, thank you for that. And so you went from this time and place where you were listening to podcasts and you weren't necessarily finding ones that you liked. Where was that transition from, okay, I'm getting into this new space and I'm not really finding anything that's for me to kind of that aha moment? Because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are interested. They have a bunch of different interests, but they kind of taste everything a little bit. And when you bite into something and you don't get that full taste of it, you don't really know and understand. And that was like the same thing for me. Like when I started podcasting, it was fun and it was cool. But as soon as I started leveling up and looking into everything and going down this rabbit hole, that's when I got obsessed. So for you, when was that aha moment? Was it a specific podcast, a person? Did you stumble across anything? What was that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I never thought about it before. I think I would say when I was first starting to look for clients, I didn't even know that I was looking to do podcasts. I think maybe it was just an idea, but I was just going for, I'm just a general VA, like whatever you need me to do, because I didn't know what I wanted to do yet because I hadn't like tried out new things. So someone connected me to this woman in New York who had a relationships and dating type podcast. And she was talking all about actually not so much relationships, but improving yourself, like the importance of loving yourself first, so that then when you enter a relationship, it's so much better. And that just really was hitting the nail on the head for me because I was going through this personal crisis of, oh my gosh, I just dated this really shitty guy. And I have zero confidence in myself and that podcast was just everything I needed to hear. So I think that really sparked it for me of like, I want to work on something that provides someone else this same experience for me because the experience I was having was, wow, I feel seen and heard in this moment by someone else sharing their story on this podcast and it sounds just like my story. So I'm really connecting with her. And that really is the magic of podcasts, especially for business owners, because you're trying to connect with your audience and build that know, like, and trust. So yeah, that was it for me. And then kind of from then on, I was like, I want to work specifically on podcasts that give me that same feeling. And I know that they're giving other people out there that same feeling. Wow, that is super powerful and relates so much to this podcast and the business world, because one of the things that 
I'm trying to convey with every episode that I get on is bringing on people that aren't necessarily all the way there yet. They're going through all the trials and tribulations because I think of something that we all struggle with as business owners is we can always do better. And at the end of the night, we're always thinking, wow, did I really do enough? And it's nice to just hear stories of other people that might have gone through some similar things that you're going through right now. And they can give some tips and tricks on like how to break through that barrier and what they did and just make you feel confident. Because at the end of the day, like I like how you talked about gaining back that confidence in yourself. Like if you have confidence in yourself, you're going to bleed that confidence over into your team and into your business and everything's going to go accordingly. And you're going to grow the culture of we can handle anything. And that's where we're in this time of a pandemic where a lot of small businesses are struggling. And if they haven't converted to digital in the past and they don't do so now, they might not survive. So how did you pivot from becoming a virtual assistant to taking on that first client? Like, What did that first podcasting client look like? And did you know what the hell you were doing? <laughs> yeah. So her and I had a call, like an initial call, and I had no clue what I was doing. And I kind of was just like, I'm just looking for experience, you know, like what kind of things in your business do you need support with? And initially I was going to be maybe just writing social media posts for her or something. And I just kind of noticed, okay, she, she has a podcast and started asking her like, well, what are the steps involved in producing this podcast? Um, and she was telling me, and then I kind of went off on my own and started learning these different skills. And I was absolutely horrible in the beginning. And then I approached her and was like, hey, so actually I'm pivoting and I'm just going to focus full on in podcasting. And she actually, I remember in the beginning, she told me like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Like, I don't think she believed that was a service that people really needed. So I kind of had to believe in myself and be like, no, like I'm going to learn these skills. I know people need these skills. Have you ever heard of like blue ocean strategy? Like the difference between a blue ocean and a red ocean? Ooh, that was in a book that I read. I cannot remember now. Yeah. So blue ocean is like, you're going into this open ocean of unknown, right? And then red ocean is a red ocean would be like the restaurant industry, which is really hurting right now. And the restaurants that are surviving are the ones that are seeking opportunity in this new ocean. So for instance, like one of the businesses here is pivoting into making margaritas and then dropping them off at places. So like to stay afloat, they're just pivoted into creating these amazing margaritas and dropping them off for online orders, right? So that's a new ocean for them versus the red ocean is their normal business of there's a lot of restaurants, there's a lot of people competing in that space. So for instance, virtual assistants and social media agencies, that's a red ocean. There's tons of people doing it already. However, I don't really see anybody out there marketing themselves as a podcast manager or a manager of people that are creating and launching podcasts. I hadn't seen that until you brought that to my attention. So that's that blue ocean. And the thing with a blue ocean is it has its pros and cons because nobody's ever gone down that path really. So you kind of get to set the standard for yourself. And that's where I've been telling you for a while, like you're so valuable and you have so much value. We just need to tweak that marketing side of things. And my next question is, what were the struggles in that? Because you mentioned how 
you didn't really know if this was a thing and then it started becoming a thing and then you started believing in yourself. But then that almost comes with its own problems in itself because then you have to scale and potentially bring on other people onto the team, which you do have. So how did you get that initial traction where you have other people believing in this now, your podcast management company? Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier where you were saying that it's a new territory. So there's not really that many people out there doing this. So that actually was such a big struggle because there was no roadmap for me. There was no guidance that I could follow. There was no one to look to, to be like, oh, they've done this before. So I can just sort of follow in their footsteps. There were so many times where I just wish I could pick up the phone and call like a mentor of someone who has done this before. And now that I've been in the space for a while, I've seen other people doing it, but actually I have a lot of new to the scene podcast managers following me. That's actually more the people in my DMs, not like potential clients, but other new podcast managers who are like, hey, how did you learn your skills? How do you do this? And it's just funny because- That's my, awesome. Yeah, because my answer is literally YouTube. And the challenge with that is that podcasts are just becoming known. To give you a uh, statistic comparison, there are 500 million active blogs online and there are less than a million podcasts. There's like 900 something thousand podcasts currently active right now. And the numbers are growing, but it just shows you how new this territory is. And of course, that's exciting, like you said, kind of setting the standard. But for me, it was more (laughs) scary and frustrating than exciting because there was no consistency in the industry of like, this is how much you charge for editing. This is how much you charge for show notes. It's all totally different across the board. So that's been such a struggle to come up with my prices and packages And for me, just trying to figure out what services do I want to provide because there's so many different ways to go. There's like specifically focusing on launching the podcast or focusing on management or growing the podcast, even podcast pitching, like guest strategy where, for example, I would go and find a bunch of podcasts for you to be a guest on. And that would be a sort of visibility strategy for you. So it was just like so many different possibilities that I was quite overwhelmed and still (laughs) pretty overwhelmed at times. You get into the trap of shiny object syndrome, which is a lot of entrepreneurs. Like as soon as you get going with your business, build that momentum, you have people reaching out to you. You have other models that you could essentially pivot into. How did you say no to some of those things? Were you trusting your gut or was it more so you following what you really like to do? Or were there some bumps in the road along that process? Yeah, I feel like I'm still in that, like going through that currently in this moment, because I always have clients saying like, oh, could we do this? Or like, this would be really cool. Or what is an example? For example, building a separate website for the podcast itself rather than like having your own website and just having a tab like podcast tab but actually building an entire website and turning it more into its own business 
rather than just an arm of your business. And I think the trouble too for me is like, I know that I can figure out how to do pretty much anything. So when someone says, oh, can you build a podcast website for me? I'm like, I can. I don't actually know how to, but I know that I could figure it out. And (laughs) I have so... A blessing and a curse. Yeah, like I have so much trouble just being like, okay, that's, that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not something that... I'm trying to pursue because I just, yeah, shiny object syndrome. I just want to learn how to do everything and know how to do so many things. And I find it hard to focus. You're just getting into your entrepreneurial journey. And as you continue to grow, what you're going to find is there's going to be people that you're surrounded by that are already experts in the questions your customers are asking you. So, hey, I want to build this website. Well, on my end, I already know three badass web developers that I could just funnel those clients to and then you can either negotiate an affiliate program or a kickback and then actually start making money for giving referrals to these other your friends essentially that are running businesses that kind of complement what you're already doing and as you keep going you're going to find this is going to happen more and more and more and more because as you continue to see this success you're going to have more people reaching out to you asking hey can you do this can you do that and what i found is I used to just say yes, but then it started burning me out. And now it's more so like, what do I want to do? If it's not a fuck yes, then it's a hell no. And that's what I've kind of learned is like right now, literally to paint a picture, we're 20 minutes into this. I'm sitting in like a four by four closet in my home. I woke up at seven, did my normal read a book and then immediately hop in this closet. And my wife's kind of like, what the hell are you doing? Because I'm in her (laughs) closet right now. I'm sure she's going to yell at me for moving her shit around, but that's how much I love this process. That's how much I love what I am doing, which tells me that I have to figure out a way to do more of this and less of everything else that is around me. And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. So what would Dana do as a podcast manager on the daily if she had the ultimate choice? What would that look like on your end? This is, yeah, this is something that I've been trying to journal out consistently of like what would be my dream day. And I love podcast hosting as well. And I'm so sad that I can't do mine like in person because it's so different in person having that like dynamic energy going on. This is great too. Um, but yeah. It's so much better in person. Like I if, know. if, yeah. That's just how it is, but I won't cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm like you where I like being with people in person more. So I think being behind the scenes, the editing and social media and things like that, that's why I ended up outsourcing those things because I knew that there were people who that is their jam like Joe our editor freaking loves editing and he has so much fun with it so I'm like yep thank god you do you I cannot do it anymore whereas I really enjoy writing that's like the one thing that I like to do behind the screen and then other than that I would rather be doing podcasts live even like having these live events and hosting and having like workshops and things like that. So that's really unfortunate for me right now in this situation. But 
I did, like you were saying before, start finding people who are experts already in different things. Like for example, Pinterest is really, really huge for podcast growth. And I did not know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Because something new that I didn't know either was Pinterest is not a social media platform. It's another search engine. So if you are on Pinterest and you have these pins that link to your podcast episodes, that's so much traffic going to your episodes. So I knew that and knew that it would be a good thing to suggest to my clients. But at the same time, I didn't want to actually be the one. I didn't want to really learn all the behind the scenes of Pinterest. And so I was connected with this other girl who like that is her jam. That's her zone of genius. And I was like, hey, do you want to have a partnership where I'll send clients to you? You can give me a referral bonus. And so that's been working really well. That's awesome. Pinterest. So where, where the fuck would I go about getting on Pinterest? Because I know nothing about Pinterest. But yeah. this is peaking, this is, <laughs> Pinterest is piquing my interest right now. <laughs> and before I kick off the next part of our conversation, I want to dig a little bit further into this. because I've never really heard that thrown around other than for, I know when we were building out our house, um, furniture and stuff like that, pictures of, of cool setups. How would I go about going on Pinterest and promoting my podcast? What does that look like? <laughs> Ooh, you'll have to talk to my Pinterest expert. Um, so Pinterest is is also one of those things that has an algorithm. So of course you have to be pinning consistently on your page. But it's interesting because it's definitely geared more towards women. And I think the statistic is like 80% of Pinterest users are women. So for you, I mean, I don't know what your audience... It's 50-50 um, typically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So on, on Instagram, it's 50-50 and then like through email and stuff, 50-50. I think to be straight up honest, having Erin be a part of my life and us talking about a relationship and stuff and her having a heavy women user base has been able to help me keep my demographic kind of on that 50-50 split, which is what I've always intended it to be because I think there's a lot of business owners like yourself that are women that they're not hiding, but there's so many out there. Whereas like guys are kind of, they always are driven by ego. And even if they just made their LLC, but never have had a client, they'll literally talk as if like they're the next big thing. <laughs> um, versus with women, I've noticed it's the opposite. You guys are behind the scenes building really badass things, which is one of the reasons that I'm, in, I'm inspired by you. And what I want to get into the next topic is how the heck did you even get in Vietnam? Where are you from? And my goal is always to inspire people to showcase others that have maybe done these worldly things, but necessarily they didn't come from this worldly background. For those that don't know, Dana grew up in New Jersey just like I did. And then now she's doing really, really cool things out in Vietnam. So go through your story. Let's, let's hear a little bit more about yourself and how you even got to where you're at right now. Oh, I just woke up here one morning. I don't even know. <laughs> Smuggled. I don't even, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a small town, New Jersey, farm town. And I did the very typical life path of go to college. And then pretty much everyone in New Jersey ends up in New York. And I was always very resistant to New York. And I actually, I was looking for jobs in Texas, actually, at first, and pretty much anywhere but New York. 
couldn't find any jobs. And then finally it was like, all right, I give in. Moved to New York, actually ended up loving it. It's still my favorite city. But I was working at a pharmaceutical advertising agency, which the first year, it was fun. It was like, it almost felt like college part two because everyone's partying. There's like a keg in the office, a young vibe. Everyone's young, everyone's cool. And so that was fun. But then after two years of that, and I started sort of looking up to the senior management, the people that I essentially would be in a few years, I was offered this like fast track where in three years I could be VP of whatever. And I just thought about it and immediately my gut was like, hell no, that sounds terrible. So many people can relate to that, I feel like, uh, myself included. Yes. Oh my gosh. There were just so many days in that office where I was holding back tears at my desk, like just hating it so much. And there was one day where I was in a meeting and we were with clients and we were going around the table And the leader of the meeting was like, okay, everyone go around and say why you're passionate about working in this industry. And everyone's going around the table. They're like saying all these things. And I'm just sitting there like, shit, shit, I'm not passionate about this. I don't know. I'm going to have to lie. And they get to me and I don't remember what I said, but I just remember thinking, I thought that everyone else was also bullshitting like me. I thought everyone else was putting on a fake act too, just to kind of please the client. Like, oh yeah, we're totally passionate, but actually everyone hates their lives. Um, And then I realized that actually there are people who that is their jam and they are really loving it. And there's still people working at that agency since three years ago when I left. So I was like, oh, they actually really did like it. And I was the only one who was being fake So then at that moment, I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do next? And started thinking about, well, I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to live abroad. And finally, it was just like, okay, if not now, when? And I just thought to myself, if I don't do this now, I'm going to regret it later for sure. And choosing Vietnam, it was kind of also a gut instinct. I had never thought about Vietnam before, never been anywhere in Asia before. It was never top of mind. But just in looking up what are the best places to teach English, Vietnam was coming up to the top because of such great culture, such great like value for your money, great landscapes and everything. So I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And it's true, like everything that's said online, it's such a cool energy here and everyone is really nice and welcoming. I've never felt unsafe here or anything like that. So my first question is, so you go to this other country, what, is there any language barrier or does everyone speak English there or how does that work? So I've heard because I haven't been to like Thailand or Japan or Korea or whatever, I've heard that not as many people speak English in Vietnam as these other countries but I kind of wanted to go off the beaten path. Of course, when I was first looking at English teaching jobs, like Japan actually was rising to the top, Korea, but I was like, everyone goes there. I need to go to like the most ridiculous place that I can think of. 
(laughs) Even still, I mean, it hasn't been a problem. I do live in the biggest city here. So I think that definitely skews things. And also being an English teacher, I was constantly interacting with people who could speak English, Vietnamese people. So I was surprised. I didn't expect to make any Vietnamese friends. I thought I would come here and all my friends would be foreigners, like Westerners from other countries. But actually, I have quite a few Vietnamese friends. And those are the best because you just learn so much from this totally different perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, it's something that I think that everybody should experience at least once in their lifetime. Aaron and I have been talking about potentially moving overseas in our 30s at some point. But the reason I asked you that, because I knew your background, but I wanted people to hear you just kind of randomly chose this place and you don't know really know their language or anything about their culture. And it is doable. You were in New York City. It's a common story. That's where I was as well before seven months in. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. Ended up going to Philly, Nashville, Houston, now here in Austin. And it was kind of a similar thing where I was in this graduate program, kind of like the fast track thing that you were talking about. And around all these other kids who make you feel comfortable because it's like college part two, but I always wanted more than college. Like I, I didn't even really like, I enjoyed my friends at college, but I didn't really enjoy college that much because I was still in New Jersey, still seeing the same thing over and over again. And I wanted more from life. But when you're younger, you're more impressionable and you don't really understand how to go out there and get it. And you have done that to a T, not only with you just move, but you also like flip flop your career upside down. And you're not only surviving, like you're thriving. And that's what people need to hear is that you can be from this small town. People don't understand New Jersey. They think it's the Jersey shore, but it is a lot of farmland as Dana can attest to. And so can myself. And once you get out, you see this whole different part of the world and it inspires you to do bigger and better things. So where are you at in your life today? So you've been in Vietnam for three years now, and you're running this podcast management company. Where do you want to be, let's say, three to five years from now? What's that next thing that you're looking? Are you going to stay in Vietnam or travel somewhere else? Is there anything on your horizon? Yeah, it's interesting because when I came out here, as I said, the plan was never to start a business. It was just to teach English and travel. But then like, once you start a business, all your money goes into it. You're investing your money, your time. And there just kind of became no room for travel. So I definitely want to get back to that and do what I actually came here to do, uh, which is a bummer because I had some travel plans actually in March. That didn't happen. Summertime. So I don't know. Right now, I'm just kind of waiting it out and seeing what happens. But further down the line, actually, I'm looking at Austin, Texas. That has been on my radar since I went maybe like four years ago. I just went for a weekend and really liked it. But at the time, I was still living in New York and I was such a snob, like a New York snob. I'm like, no city is as good as New York. (laughs) So I kind of, I kind of like poo-pooed it when I was there. Then when I went back around this second time for the Live a Great Story conference, 
I was just reminded of like, oh my gosh. And even though I hadn't met any of those people in person, I, from doing like Sophie's podcast, I still had like recognized so many of them and just following you on Instagram too. And so I felt like such a creep because I'm like, oh my God, I know you. They're like, who are you? (laughs) But like everyone was so nice and welcoming and there was such high vibes and I just felt like I really fit in there. And I think what I'm missing in Vietnam is that kind of community vibe. I had it a bit a few months ago and then it kind of just dissipated because people are so in and out living abroad. People come, people go. And I think that is really wearing me out. And as fun as it is living abroad, there also are like a lot of roadblocks and headaches, especially trying to start a business. So it's just really burning me out. And I'm just excited to possibly go to Austin or also potentially looking at South Africa, Cape Town, because one of my good friends lives there and I visited there too once and really liked it. Hey, you can always do both. That's the beauty of, of the world. And you, you know, Austin's always here and there's a bunch of people that you're connected with. And that brings up a good point, like the Live a Great Story Conference, because the, the next part of this podcast, I kind of wanted to dig into how we even started working together on this podcast and how someone could work with you and use your expertise to maybe level up their podcast a little bit. So long story short, my buddy Zach, uh, the founder of Live a Great Story, created this conference back in, what was it, October? September, October, yeah. something like that. And Dana had actually flown in to go to this conference and I was actually speaking at this conference. So when she came to the conference, I learned a little bit more about what she does for a living. And I had started my podcast, This Is Crazy, this is a sidebar. Yesterday was April 2nd was my first podcast released on the Thrive on Life podcast. And it's crazy because I was working out at my gym and I was looking for some inspiration. So I went into Spotify and listened to the very first podcast with my buddy Fayez. And I didn't realize it that it was exactly a year. So I sent it to him and said, Hey, look, man, like I just re-listened to our podcast. I just wanted to thank you for being such a good friend and believing in me when literally all I had was lav mics and we we're sitting at Whole Foods and you can hear the cars in the background and birds chirping. And I was just trying to get into it. And he was like, fuck it, I'll do it with you. And when you mentioned community, those are the types of people that you need to be surrounded by to help you get to that next level because it is a lonely path. Sorry for the sidebar, but it was interesting to me because he later then said, dude, it's April 2nd. It's been exactly a year. And I don't know what made me look at that podcast without even knowing it that it's been exactly a year. I didn't even realize it, but it's funny how the world works. And then that was like six months before the Live a Great Story conference. And I had invested in basically my home office in my old apartment and started doing things more to get the audio better. But I still had no clue what I was doing in terms of post-production editing and pre-production and all that stuff. So when Dana mentioned what she does at the Livergate Story, we started chatting. And now looking back, this is the 11th episode, and I signed a contract with you for 12 episodes. And now I can't go back. And that's kind of like what I want to project onto people is that something like this is so, so valuable because podcasting isn't my business. It's just something I do that I love to do, but it also helps my business. But I don't have the time of day to learn all the nitty gritty of how to edit, how to do the pre-production stuff, 
what I need to send out, all the pictures I need to get, all that stuff. Dana kind of puts that in a package and you can basically run a lot faster. But where I'm going with this is for someone that's sitting at home thinking about starting a podcast, who is the type of customer that you're looking for? And then like, what is the advantage for them to work with you? I've really been trying to nail this down more and more because there are so many different types of podcasters is what I'm realizing. But I think I can narrow it down to like more the qualities of the person because initially I was going after what type of podcast do I want to work on. And after going down that road and experiencing bad clients, I'm like, okay, I need to focus more on who is the person behind the podcast because that is who I'm working with. So if you are someone who is ready to go all in, I would say, because I get so energized when the client is like, yes, I want to take this to the top. I want to go all in. I want to get creative with this. I really like when they are into hearing new ideas, trying new things. What does all in look Um, like? Because some listeners don't understand what all in is. We understand it in the entrepreneurial world, but a corporate person that might be on the edge, like what does all in look like in your eyes for a client of yours? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say being consistent podcasting, it's important to just like anything else to keep doing it every single week or however often you choose to do it because it is going to be a lot of work. And working with myself and my team, we do take a significant amount off your plate, which I think helps to give you that energy back and continue doing the more fun kind of side of it. But I'm sure you can attest to like it's even still there's quite a few things to prepare and things to think about being ready to invest I would say in good equipment and when I say good equipment I don't want to scare people because you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars there are decent microphones for like 50 or 60 dollars on Amazon but I would say it is important to treat this as a long-term investment because especially if you're doing it for your business, for some people, your podcast could be their first impression of you or of your brand. So you don't want to show up not your best. Understanding to the need to promote the podcast. So you're not finished after you just publish the podcast. You need to actually push it out there tell people about it all the time. And I think that's where a lot of new people sort of get frustrated because they're like, oh my gosh, I just did all this work putting it together and now I have to do all this other work to promote it. But you're not going to grow if you don't promote it. Man, so many golden nuggets in that. Like as an entrepreneur, you know how much work is on top of the work. People think that doing the podcast is the actual work, but it's not. Like we have a whole Trello board set up where there's a system of getting the audio in there, somebody edits the audio, getting the copyright in there, making sure somebody's checking on the copy before it's released, getting pictures, releasing on seven different technologies. And that's the thing that a lot of people that are new to the game, they think that they can do it all themselves. And that's what was bogging me down was I come from this other spectrum of I know how much work it is and I know how much needs to get done. I just don't have the time or the energy or the focus 
to do it. And that's where Dana comes in and I'm going to give you a pat on the back for you had a system that one integrated really well with me because I already use Trello on the daily and all I have to do is figure out what card is live right now and what do I need to do and then just plug things in there and shit just gets done. And to one of your points in that, I think consistency is the number one thing that I look for in going all in as well as putting your money where your mouth is, just like you said. So if you're listening out there, if you're not willing to invest a couple hundred bucks into your podcast, your podcast is never, ever, ever going to become anything because you don't value it as something that will become something. So when we put our money where our mouth is, where I hired Dan and her team, and then I got an upgrade in all my equipment, I immediately saw an uptick in not only the quality of the podcast and the quality of the interviews, but also I could see the next level of that promotion side of things. So that's where I kind of like want to end our conversation is we're kind of in this phase where, okay, now we've resystemized the Thrive podcast. The next thing that I want to do is get into kind of like promoting it and getting some bigger names onto the podcast. How would someone go about doing that? What would be your best tips and tricks for getting maybe really cool interviews and re- getting really cool people onto your podcast? Mm-hmm. I would start with looking at the iTunes directory, not the Apple podcast app, but actually going on the web and going to the iTunes directory and looking in your category that you are trying to either go be a guest on another podcast or you're trying to get someone else to be a guest on your podcast. So for example, like yours would obviously be business, entrepreneurship. So you would look around in the other podcasts that are in your category and start looking at who has been a guest on these podcasts and then reaching out to them because you know that they already clearly are interested in being on a podcast and you have to really know who your audience is and why this guest will find value in being on your podcast because you have to find out what is it that they are looking to get out of being on this podcast and pitching to them in that way, whether it's like, hey, my audience wants to know a lot about email marketing and you're going to go talk to this email marketing expert and have them come on. And so it's beneficial for you because you're getting this big name on and they're going to share the episode so you'll get seen from their audience but also they're getting seen by your audience so there has to be that kind of win-win it's awesome yeah putting yourself in in their shoes and understanding what value are they looking to get from and that's where i think a lot of people don't understand where you don't have to have this really big podcast to reach out to other people there's a lot of nice people especially in the entrepreneurial community that are willing to trade for different reasons. It doesn't always have to be about, oh, you you only got, like, I think the most listens I get is a little bit over 100, right? Um, but I've had people reach out to me and wanted to partner on different episodes because they like the mission behind mm-hmm. what the podcast stands for. And that's where understanding from a bigger overview of what you're trying to achieve and what your podcast is trying to achieve in an overall mission I think could help and you can put yourself in that person's shoes and then align yourself with 
other people that have that mission. And that's why I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast today because we we very much align with our missions in business and, and who we want to work with. And I just want to say thank you again for hopping in your closet and giving <laughs> some of the tips and tricks that people can utilize if they were to start their podcast during not only this pandemic, but hopefully when this passes, we can start doing more in-person podcasts so we're not stuck doing virtual things. Not that those are a problem, but it is more fun in person. But is there anything else that comes to mind that you want to hit on before we close this up? Well, first of all, thank you so much. This is so much fun. And it's actually only my second time being interviewed on a podcast, weirdly. I've done my own was a host of so many podcast interviews and worked on so many podcasts, but haven't actually been a guest myself. So that was cool. And I also would just want to get across how fun podcasting is. I know we talked a lot about how much work it is, but I also really just want to convey to for people like it is so much fun and don't get stuck in the numbers because I'll hear people like, oh, I only got 60 downloads on my podcast. Bummer. But if you were in a room and 60 people were in front of you and you were talking to 60 people and they were like highly engaged and listening to every word that you said, that would be amazing. That's a lot of people. So don't discount the people who are actually showing up. Treat them like gold, actually, and make sure that you are connecting and engaging with your audience through social media, through email, because the most common way that people find out about new podcasts and discover new podcasts is through word of mouth from a friend literally being like, hey, just listen to this episode, thought of you, you should check it out. I mean, social media helps, of course, but people trust other people. So it's really important to establish those connections with your people and just to be able to survey them and have them help you like, hey, what content do you want to hear? And how can I help you more? So yeah, all of those things are super important, I would say. Amazing. It's all about perspective. The perspective of, I only got these 60 downloads, but I get to have 60 downloads. I get to hop on this podcast and speak with other people. Man, that's so much gold right there. And the last thing I want to ask you is where can people reach you at? Yeah, I would say reach me on Instagram. It's at Dana, D-A-N-A dot Drehos, D-R-A-H-O-S. Hell yeah. So for those of you that don't know, you've been listening to this whole episode, Dana is my podcast manager. Her team helps me out so much on this podcast. Uh, Over the past 11 episodes, it's been amazing to work with them and really just feel more comfortable and confident in what I'm trying to do. And even one of the major reasons that this is her episode was because I'll be vulnerable. I'm kind of nervous of doing virtual ones where it's not in person. I'm very much a people person and go off the vibe of the person. And this is the first time where it's completely just audio. I'm sitting in a closet here by myself and she is helping me basically get to that next level and break some of my barriers and I cannot thank you enough for that. And for anybody else listening out there, I highly, highly, highly recommend starting a podcast. Go a couple months into it and then look for somebody like Dana to help you bring yourself to that next level. So again, keep pushing your limits. I know it's a pandemic, but there's things that we can learn about ourselves and break through some new 
barriers of ours. So until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all.